Pokemon Design, Consciousness and Covenant, podcast where we discuss a wide variety of topics of import relating to being covenant-keeping Mormons in the New Age. I'm Andy Rasmussen, joined by Nam Jyoti Kaur. Good morning, I'm Satnam. Good morning, Satnam. You can call me Felice Austin. Okay. You keep changing. I'd rather call I know. you Felice. I know. Well, I had this insight on it. Can I tell you about yes, it? Yes, please. Okay, so Nam Joji Kar is my spiritual name, and I realized that I really, I wasn't quite sure when to use it. Like, I was thinking of transitioning more to it, but I realized mm-hmm. I need to only use it when I'm in the role of a spiritual teacher. And this podcast, I don't know if it counts, <laughs> it sort of does, but, you know, when I'm in that role and I have my head covered and we tune in and stuff, okay. so I'm, I think I'll just, yeah, stick with Felice for now. That's good. Felice is a beautiful name. Yes, thank you. <laughs> okay, a um, couple of things today, Felice. I wanted... Mm-hmm. Well, I want to mention your book real quick because there's big progress on that, and we, we should let the folks know. Also, mm-hmm. I have a number of volumes, uh, collections of Hugh Nibley. One of them is called Temple and Cosmos. Mm-hmm. It's very thick. Very thick. I think I've tried to read it a couple times, but my <laughs> IQ wasn't high enough. <laughs> It's uh, the fantastic things about about that one and about all of uh, the collected works that uh, Farms and Maxwell Institutes put together of Nibley is they don't they're just collections of papers that he's done. So you don't have to read that whole book in order. You just pick a chapter, and they're long chapters. Long, mm-hmm. They're actual you know papers that mm-hmm. he's written and presented, but um, but they stand alone and they're related. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're related obviously under those topic headings, but uh, but mm-hmm. you can read them alone. So you don't have to okay, dive well. in and read the whole thing. <laughs> well, I'm ready to dive in cuz I've been doing the meditation to increase my IQ. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Which you can find on YouTube now, right? You got to Yes, it's on my YouTube channel, Tree of Life Kundalini. In fact, I use that uh, very recording every day when I do it because you've got the the timing. Got it timed out, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the yeah, gong. that one. Like yeah, that gong. one's got the gong playing in the background too. Yes, three. It's a good so, one, and I'll mention that as we go. I'll I'll talk more about. All right, let's yeah. jump in. Now, the first thing is is with your book. You've got dates and, uh, and yes. big progress. My release date is October fourth, and that is that was sort of my like, gosh darn it, I am gonna release it. I don't care what happens next. <laughs> So it may not be physically in bookstores or in your hand that date, but I decided if it's not, that I'm just going to release it um, chapter by chapter on my blog. The old because serial release like they used to do. The serial release. My my book used to be out there. I mean, it's been done for six months, but I've been having other delays. And, you know, like no one's going to delay this anymore. And October 4th is a really good date anyway, so. It's a cosmically good date on many ancient calendars. Is it? <laughs> many, yeah. It's actually a sacred holiday on many, um, many calendars. Also, it's Saturday General Conference. It is Saturday General Conference. It's also it's the second Yom weekend. Kippur. Oh, it is Yom Kippur. Mm-hmm. It's the, the second weekend of um, my teacher training too. Oh, and awesome. so I'm going to miss all of General Conference except priesthood. Well, good thing it's recorded. <laughs> Right. Good thing General Conference is the flex weekend. <laughs> Tell you what, I'm not going to miss that weekend, though, is the BYU-Utah State football game on Friday night. I will have to miss teacher training I think that I'm night. going to that. Are you really? Oh, no, no, no. No, sorry. That's, that's, that's in October. One of my students, I'm going to be in Utah, actually, in September. You are. That's true. And in Park the City. weekend you're there is... I'm going to that game. So I'm one of my, I think... I don't know one of my students' You're there on the 11th, right? So that's yeah. Houston. Yeah. Okay. One of my students' son is on the team, and she said she tried to get tickets. But I don't care either way if she doesn't know it. But I just thought that would be interesting. Really? That's not it? something I've done in a long time. <laughs> Did you but go I to do games enjoy football. I do enjoy football, yeah. But it's not like something I 
seek out. But when I'm there, I enjoy. It. I pretty much enjoy anything if you get me there. <laughs> right. Well, you yeah. You went to BYU and you you went to games when you were there, right? Yeah, I did. So it's not a new experience. So yeah, you'll be here. What the tenth? What was the tenth, eleventh, twelfth, something like the that? The eleventh through the thirteenth for the training that I'm doing in Park, Park City and training people in imagery. There you go. I might be there a little before, a little after. I haven't yeah. decided. Thursday, Thursday night. It's a night game, week night game, and that's uh, Houston. So there you go. That'll be fun. We'll probably be there as well with my kiddos. Cool. So October fourth, and what? What's the likelihood that it could be actually in physical form by then? The likelihood? Yep. Um, well, there is a likelihood. <laughs> okay. I mean, I believe in miracles. My designer says she'll have spreads for me by the 29th, but then that's, you know, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, I'd say the likelihood is maybe 50%. <laughs> but I believe in miracles, so whatever. If everybody prays for a miracle, then maybe my designer will just have absolutely no trouble. She'll be inspired, and her kids will give her lots of time to work on it. <laughs> Good. Things, things like that can happen. Absolutely. But, well, we'll all pray. I'm really looking forward to the to the book. Mm-hmm. Many of the yeah. written explanations and, and translations, really into Mormonese. Yes, I am a translator. That is one <laughs> of my gifts. So, I've got the serum and thummim in my head. Yeah, let's it's translate. the pineal and the pituitary gland. I talk about that in my book, actually. The pineal gland and the pituitary gland are kind of like a urim and thummim. I've heard that. Yeah, they're, they mean, um, it means lights and intelligence, mm-hmm. uh, urim and thummim. And... The, the pineal gland is the seat of the intelligences, and the pituitary is the third eye, which, you know, is the light of the body. And interesting. Wow. Interesting stuff. So, yeah, translation is one of my gifts. It's not listed in the scriptures. As, I guess it is. Sure it Speaking is. Speaking yeah. sort of. Mm-hmm. But it's not really tongues. <laughs> I'm just able to. Well, there are a number of... Uh... A number of different forms. Let's. Uh, I guess that's being. I guess that's what being a teacher is. Is being able. Yeah, to exactly. Explain concepts in simple ways. But all right, what are we talking about today, Andy? A couple of things. Uh, I mentioned uh, Niblian Temple and Cosmos because you've written a few blog posts lately mm-hmm. on um, astrology. On the, cos- the cosmos. <laughs> Well, Cosmos yes, astrology kind of turns people off. Yes, it does, but I want to throw it out there just to do that, actually. <laughs> just to be controversial. Uh-huh. Um, and it, but it's not the uh, the soothsayers, the astrology, the kind you're going to get for, uh, late night from the whatever medium that is. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit different. And so talk about what you've been... Learning and just basic overview of the constellations and the stars and whether or not they really have anything at all to do with us or if we should pay any attention to them at all except as a pastime or entertainment curiosity. Um, okay, well, my gosh, where do I start? Um, back in April, there was a lot of celestial movement, shall we say, going on, and... Um, I just felt like I needed to learn everything I could about astrology. Like that was the word that came into my mind. And I was like, astrology, okay. Not astronomy, nope, astrology. So I started a little preliminary studying and I um, came across some great articles by John P. Pratt. And he had an, I actually had read an article from him from, he had an article on the Ensign in, in the 80s, a two part, like back when they used to publish really long articles. Mm-hmm. In the insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now they're like super short for super short attention spans. But, anyways, <laughs> his article is two parts, but it was about, um, oh, he's an astronomer. You know, he's an astronomer. And he's just, I don't know, you'll have to go read it. It's about dating the first Easter and then how the restoration of the priesthood fell on like the exact same date. Like, astronomically, it was similar because of every, yes. like, where the moon was and blah, blah, blah. And, like, and then on all these calendars, basically, it was 
the only date most similar to the um, the first Easter and the restoration of the Gospel both happened on like April 3rd and a certain number of years apart. But it was like they were the two most astronomically similar dates in the last like 2,000 years. <laughs> and so wow. I was like, oh, there's something to this, you know. And then I found his website and he has some great articles like on how the Zodiac testifies of Christ mm-hmm. and the constellations testify of Christ. And he's really done a lot of research. He's a really legit guy. And No, he um, does... Obviously, he's a member of the church. He does um, work on dozens of ancient calendars, and he does. correlates them. And is yeah. he? Do you have any? I don't have any idea. Do you know if he's any relation to the Pratts? Yeah, he, he is. is. Okay, Orson and yeah. Parley. Yeah, that's pretty obvious. So his, um, <laughs> yeah, his. Website is just is simply johnpratt.com. Talk a yeah. little bit about the zodiac, real quick, okay, how it testifies like, of Christ and where it okay. came from. Because um, I think well, that's the most important. The zodiac, it's pretty clear in the book of Enoch, if you read it, that that's like God gave Enoch, kind of explained the stars to Enoch mm-hmm. and how they basically wrote the story of creation and, you know, the, the history of the world and the future history of the world. It's all kind of written in the Zodiac. And um, so he gave he gave that to Enoch, and Enoch taught it to Abraham. And Abraham was, you know, a great astronomer and astrologer. He really understood what the stars meant. Um, and he wrote a book called The Book of Formations, mm-hmm. the Siddha, which the Jews, there's actually really awesome ancient tradition of Jewish astrology, which is which is what where I have found the best sort of kernels of truth because conventional astrology is just so completely like convoluted and mm-hmm. it's not like it's a dead end. Like I kept going there and there is some crossover, but it's it's just more of a the soothsayer kind of thing. But but so anyway, so Abraham was was a big, you know, like watcher of the heavens and he understood and this is what i what i have come to learn and um the, you know the scriptures always tell us to watch the mm-hmm. signs and there's signs in, in heavens and the stars and the planets are for times and for seasons and for signs and all over are the restoration scriptures everywhere from doctrine and covenants over. 88 it's, to the pearl great price yeah it's that all the, over yeah and um if you read some of John Pratt's articles, he talks just about how the, the constellations and the planets are almost like a clock. Like the mm-hmm. constellations and then the planets move th- through them like the hands of the clock. And there is a real timing thing to them. Like they kind of keep time. It's really, really fascinating the more you understand. Yeah. And you do have to understand astronomy pretty well to understand this astrology stuff that I've been getting downloaded because you know they're they're obviously highly connected <laughs> but what i'm what i'm learning about astrology and i got a, a lot of this from the um the, the jewish study which is cool because you know mormons are jews plus one um and we're different than a lot of christians because we actually do study the bible and um you know we all are the children of israel we believe so mm-hmm. So but the, the idea be, behind the Jewish astrology and what I think was Abraham understood is that um, the stars and the planets and everything in the heavens obviously does influence us, but it's not that, okay, I was born under the sign of Scorpio, so my life is ruined. You know, it's not, it's right. not like that. It's like, it's, they believe that, well, some of the Kabbalists believe in past lives, but um, I believe that it's... Um, before we came here, <laughs> however you want to put that, mm-hmm. we made choices and we made certain sacred contracts and that determined, like the learnings that we needed to learn and the things we needed to do, that determined what sign we would be born under because God knew, mm-hmm. God chose, chooses our birthday, you know, <laughs> like God chooses the exact day and moment of our birth and, and that is chosen because he, you know, because there's an understanding that being born under that sign will help us. You know, like the, we'll give us those influences that right. we need, both positive to, and negative, to complete both positive and contract. negative. Yeah, to complete your karma. So when we talk about karma, these are the Jews call it a tikkun, which means correction. We all come here to achieve a certain correction and to a certain destiny. But obviously, we're not 
we're not perfect. Even before we came here, we had we had mm-hmm. certain things that some of us were better at than others. You know, like maybe you were really good at like. I don't know, you had a lot of faith that you needed to work on charity. You know, you'll be born under the sign that's going to give you that correction if you do your spiritual work. So the the whole thing is that, like, right. if you read, you know, the zodiac sign for Aries or for, you know, cancer or whatever yours is, there's going to be strengths and there's going to be challenges sort of listed. And the challenges are all things that are part of your if you do your spiritual work, there's sort of like a magical pill to, you know, counteract all of the negatives, but you have to do a lot of spiritual work to achieve that correction. And then it's like, there are certain things that are written in the stars. Like I was pretty shocked when I looked at my natal chart and found out that my natal chart actually predicted mother loss. Really? As well as a lot of other things. Yeah. That did happen in my life. And I was like, huh, it was like pretty sure. It was like this person will suffer mother loss or abandonment of mother. You know, like, it's like, whoa, that's pretty specific. That is pretty specific. So it, it, to me, it sounds like uh, in, in this concept of, of karma, um, everybody, we're given the commandment a couple of times, be therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is imperfect. And then we've heard a lot of lessons on what that means, and it relates to the Greek idea of teleos, more than flawless and, you know, complete and, and finished. Mm-hmm. Um in each sphere that we find ourselves, and and it occurs to me then that in mortality in this life, uh, as we move on through the uh, stages of progression, to become perfect here is going to look different for everybody because everybody's got a different karma, a different set of things they're here to accomplish exactly. and achieve within the larger body of Christ, the family of God, uh, so that we can mm-hmm. all come together. Um, later on down the road and, and combine those gifts. But we're doing different things here. Our perfection place is going to look different mm-hmm. um, necessarily and individually in this life. And the stars right. are a guide to that. One other question I had when you were talking, <clears throat> there's something that came up uh, about our birth time. The very moment is is uh, specific to us mm-hmm. because of uh, all the angles and, and where the planets are at that, at that moment. Yeah. And you wrote... Go ahead. I was just say you I, co-authored the uh, the book "Gift of Giving Life" and have written a lot about the the birth process. Mm-hmm. In this context, we're talking about today. What are your thoughts on um, inducing and scheduled delivery? Oh, thank you, thank you so much for asking that. Um, well, I thought about that a lot, and I thought, you know, like it doesn't. Obviously, I I prefer that the baby decides when mm-hmm. they come. You know. But here's the thing. Everyone's going to be born at the exact right moment, okay? And if, you know, God knows what's going to happen, and if this mother is pressured into an induction or if she needs to have a scheduled C-section, God controls the doctor's schedule, you know? Right. Like, God can, like, you know, throw some things in there, and, you know, either the baby will come right before, you know, maybe they'll schedule it out and, because God knows the baby's going to come the day before on its own, or, or God will schedule it for the exact right moment that the baby needs to come anyway. So I don't really think you can mess up the plan. I do prefer that, um, you know, babies come in the most gentle, peaceful way possible because mm-hmm. there's so much. This is like a whole nother podcast, but there's so much that's determined by the, that first hour of birth. Right. And some of it is irreparable if it's damaged irreparable unless you do kundalini yoga actually <laughs> the only right. thing that can repair that but um well i well, I, I ask because that has always what you just said has always kind of been my opinion like well we we think we're doing making our own decisions down here but god will will adjust and control it all uh mm-hmm. but i've had some some knowledge and you know about it but i'm not going to broadcast it on the on the podcast uh, about specific uh, birth and pre-birth experiences, and it turns out decisions oh, yeah. were made that dramatically mm-hmm. altered in every conceivable way um, my life, particularly, um, and mm-hmm. and not by my mom or parents. I want to I want to stress that, but yeah. but they did, and and God honors agency above all else, and mm-hmm. everything will be right in the end. But in the meantime, my life's been mm-hmm. different and a little bit more difficult. This is true. Um, God does honor agency, and um, things can happen. You know, like um, a mother 
mother could decide to abort her child or, um, you know, um, but I, you know, I don't know. It's just a big cosmic mystery. Let's it all comes out that. in the wash. In the end, it's all In the end, like, out. God will make it all right. You know, like, that child will come, you know, if it's aborted, some, a lot of these those aborted um, children get the opportunity to come back mm-hmm. um, with a different mother and maybe a different mission, and so they'll be born at a different time. Um, you know, and, and as I go into my blog post, you can get a new natal chart, but we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Okay. So I wanted to talk about Temple and Cosmos, if I can find it. Um, yeah, while you're looking up, I wanted a word on Abraham. <clears throat> this mm-hmm. part of his life has always fascinated me. Of course, it's it, uh, a lot of the apocryphal literature, you only just get a piece of it in the Prograde Price, just real briefly. But did, this was revealed originally to Enoch, as you mentioned, and taught it to Abraham. But this, is, this was one of Abraham's defining characteristics. You recall when he went to Egypt... Um, mm-hmm. this is what he was teaching that the, that Pharaoh sat him on his throne once they got it all figured out with Sarah and, uh, <laughs> you know, they were there for three years, but the, but eventually uh, Pharaoh sat him on the throne of Egypt and said, teach us. And this mm-hmm. is what he was teaching them. And the Egyptians had all kinds of knowledge. Uh, and it came originally from, from Noah, whose course grandfather was Enoch. And then from Abraham, and, and this is why the part of the Egyptian, uh, the power that permeated the Egyptian culture, why it lasted for so long, came from the teachings of Abraham on this subject. Yeah. And one other interesting note for me, I've, I've thought recently, he had all these incredible, this incredible knowledge of how the universe works, how it really mm-hmm. works, according to uh, in in the majesty of God. Mm-hmm. All these experiences, decades before his promise, his covenant with God was fulfilled. He mm-hmm. was receiving this and having this relationship with God because of his obedience, mm-hmm. decades before the covenant of uh, of Isaac was fulfilled. And that's mm-hmm. that to me is is amazing. You don't have to wait mm-hmm. uh, until a, a particular promise has been fulfilled for you uh, mm-hmm. to really. Get well, a lot of knowledge and have a relationship. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, he was prepared, obviously. He didn't just walk out in the desert one day and get a promise to be father of nations, you know. Right. Well, he got um, that promise long before it happened. Now, he had other sons, but he was told they weren't the covenant son until he was 100 years old, right? Yeah. Hold <laughs> on. I'll go into that. But I want to just, it's interesting you mentioned the Egyptians because most with conventional astrology, People, like whenever I've read about that, they, they don't, they say they don't know, like they can't date it back earlier than the Egyptians, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is interesting. Right. I'm like, um, hello, there's this whole book that Abraham wrote called The Sefer Yatira. Uh, I don't know if I'm that right, The Sefer Yatira. Anyway, it's called The Book of Formations. Yeah. And it's about, it's very detailed and complex about how God formed each, thing and how each planet and each constellation was actually formed by the word by like a certain letter in the name of god in hebrew <laughs> anyways it's very detailed and i have no idea i haven't read it but i'm just like interesting that you couldn't find that but anyways okay so temple and cosmos the idea with the temple right the word yes. temple and hunibli i haven't read the book but i've got good quotes from it <laughs> You really should read it. It's pretty good. <laughs> the word um, the word comes from the Latin templum, which according to Hugh Nibley, Dr. Hugh Nibley, the word templum designates a building specifically designed for interpreting signs in the heavens. Yes. It's a sort of observatory where one gets one's bearings on the universe. In many and ancient you, societies, there was no difference between library, temple, and observatory. They were all well, the same and a lot thing. of people understand the Egyptian, um, what are those pyramids? That if you cut the top off of them, they're like an observatory. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't fully understand what the Egyptian No, they are with, fully aligned. Man, there's some great stuff out there on that too, both uh, both secular and LDS, on specifically secular, on exactly how the temples are aligned, or excuse me, the pyramids are aligned with the, the stars. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, how the layout of Washington, D.C., is aligned oh, yeah. in the same way, we'll get, very consciously. We'll get, we'll get into that 
if we have time. But so there, if you dive in even more into the word temple, it's basically like um, where two lines kind of intersect and it creates four quarters, right. like right. four quarters of the earth and kind of. Well, anyway, so our the temple is basically a microcosm of the cosmos and a place to it, it, the place to observe the cosmos, but it's also a microcosm of the cosmos. Mm-hmm. You know, when we go to the temple, we we move through the, the creation like a miniature sort of version of that story. Well, our bodies are also temples. Yes. And um, it's interesting because in Kabbalistic astrology, each zodiac sign um, is associated with an organ in the body. And so we all have within us a little mini universe and we can actually learn a lot about the universe by understanding our own body. I just think it's great that it always comes back to like. Now this is something that's has, it's been an experience of mine a number of times while meditating, even before uh, I was doing Kundalini, I was doing some Tai Chi and stuff, mm-hmm. but a, a few times the consciousness of big and small and same, mm-hmm. um, Expanding your consciousness to fill the entire solar system or the entire universe, and then and then collapsing it all the way to the universes within each cell in your body, and realizing that they are they are mm-hmm. the same. And your body, as you said, is a temple serving the same purposes as the physical temple. And uh, mm-hmm. every man, it's hard to it's really hard to put into words. Well, I, I like do a good job in my again, book. <laughs> Good, and it's easier to it is when you when you read it, but the idea that it's all everything's connected and it's all the same work, the same model, um, well, I was reproduced just a, on different scales and in different frames. Yeah, I was reading an amazing book actually on uh, it's called The Magical Child. It's about I don't know child rearing, I guess, or, or whatever. It's it's amazing. Every parent should read it or they should be shot. But um, he's talking about how the brain is actually a hologram of the world. Mm-hmm. And a hologram is something where if you break it into pieces, it each piece is, becomes a whole on its own. Right. You know, and it reflects. And the more you break it down, the more you get, like, you know, it's still each, the, the smaller you break it down, it gets a little fuzzier, but it's still a hologram of the whole world. <laughs> Yeah. Which is kind of what you were just saying, in well, other words. I've got a real quick quote that uh, from Joseph Smith mm-hmm. <laughs> illustrates my frustration. He says, "Oh Lord God, deliver us in Thy due time from the narrow little prison of language, almost as it were a total darkness of paper, pen, and ink, and a crooked, broken, scattered, and imperfect language." <laughs> well, God has promised to return that language, um, Adamic. And actually, we could do a whole podcast on that because there's a guy in Colorado who is working on the Adamic language. He speaks 72 languages, and we do have a bit of Adamic. And with all of his knowledge, he's been able to piece together quite a bit. And I have a book of um, kind of the basic structure of Adamic. It's pretty cool. It has four different um, layers of meaning, which um, once you study it a little bit, you just realize how much more can be communicated with that language. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for that to be restored. <laughs> yeah, that was Joseph's constant uh, frustration. He yeah. said, all oh, that we could speak to each other like the angels do. And, oh, yeah. Uh, in perfect, perfect understanding. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. There, well, there can be a grace around communication. If Absolutely. But, okay, so where was I going with this? Something about the temple and the cosmos. Yeah, so okay, the temple is so, a, an observatory. It's a place that connects all dimensions and, and worlds and uh, points us to God. Mm-hmm. And bodies oh. the same. So, yeah, go ahead. Okay, well, and that's the general idea behind like a natal chart is that, like, if we can understand our natal chart and the gift that God gave us, like the moment we're born and it shows it can show us so much it's almost like a patriarchal blessing it can show us like what to watch out for and where what our spiritual goals should be you know everyone has different ones but if you're born under the sign of taurus and you have a scorpio rising and you got you know like these are your like what this natal chart will show you once you have it once you can understand it um and i'm still learning but like your sign is sort of like 
you know, that's what you were born under, but then your rising sign is your tool that the universe has given you for dealing with your sign. Mm. And if your rising is the same as your sun sign, then the universe has given you no tools, uh, but they've given you other things. And then your moon sign, which is all determined by the moment of your birth, your moon is your reactional system, like how you react to things. And so if you can understand this and you can understand, okay, so I was a Taurus, oh, I'm not, but let's say you're a Taurus, like some spiritual goals for the Taurus would be, you know, learn to get out of your comfort zone, learn to care beyond the comfort zone. Um, also, then if you if you add that to looking at the role of Christ um, in the Zodiac, like Taurus is the uh, mm-hmm. uh, Lord of Hosts role of Christ. And so it might be interesting to study that and think, okay, like, how does this fit in with my destiny? Like, um, let me read that quote from which... I think that's in part one of my astro download. Let me do that. And real quick, so, when you're talking about these zodiac signs, you're not using oh, the not normal talking, calendar that uh, yeah. you find in, in astrology books. You're using what? The Hebrew calendar. The Hebrew calendar, yeah. Because if you look at the, it's really interesting. If you look at the, you know, kind of randomly assigned zodiac, things some people will find that they'll read their little description and they'll be like oh yeah that's spot on and other people will be like i am not that fine you know that is not mm-hmm. me and that's why they kind of discredit astrology but when you run a date conversion on your birthday with the with the hebrew calendar you can get your correct sun sign which is determined that the hebrew calendar is lunar solar so it's based on um the months are about 29 days based on the moon, from new moon to new moon. But because that um, the solar year is a little bit longer, they've, I don't know, they've finagled something, <laughs> added some extra months in here and there <laughs> to um, keep them, the months in the right part of the year so they don't float around. So Aries is always going to be in the spring, but it's not necessarily always going to be in the exact same date. It'll float, you know, backwards uh, yeah, and forwards a little bit. With the year, right. Yeah, so that is interesting. But, okay, so talking about spiritual goals. So spiritual goals for Taurus. If you're a Taurus, you're lucky, because I'm telling you what your spiritual goals are right now. (laughs) But some of them are. Um, Just be more open to unconditional love without judgment and out of your comfort zone. Um, Push yourself to fulfill a higher desire. Tauruses are are awesome, but they get sort of stuck in their comfort zone, and they settle for less when really they can go out of their comfort zone and do a lot for the world. You know, when the Taurus's belly is full, they feel like the whole world is great, but they kind of can be in denial because mm-hmm. <laughs> they like peace. So, you know, they need to be shown, like, this is what's really going on in the world, and here's what you can do to help. So, but, like, okay, so the Lord of Hosts role is, um, in the Book of Enoch, it's, it shows the bull, the white bull, represents the kingdom of God in the last days. And Moses refers to its two horns as pushing together the thousands of Manasseh and the tens of thousands of Ephraim. So I would think if you fell into the sign of Taurus, that you might want to consider, like, what your role is in the gathering, you mm-hmm. know, at this mm-hmm. last stage. So there's a lot to do there. The last thing I, wanna, I wanted to mention, if we, I mean, I think we're probably running out of time, but is how, so the stars and planets do have an influence on us. We can change some of the negatives by doing spiritual work. But we can also actually change the planet. Like, like, how does the spiritual work change the negatives? It changes and moves the planets and the constellations. And <laughs> that's, this involves a lot of quantum physics. But the idea is, and in Kundalini Yoga, we talk about, so there's the index fingers, also called the Jupiter finger. The middle finger is the Saturn finger. The ring finger is the sun finger and the pinky finger is called the mercury finger and not just the yogis know this lots of people cause that and i realize mm-hmm. it's because we have those energies in our body right and so um let's see how do i explain this in simple terms quantum physics has proven that an object can be in more than one place at one time it's also proven that like when you put pressure on the electron or on, on any system um, it will change that system and move it. So let's say you put pressure on an electron and all yes. these, or on the, you know, a cell and like the electrons and the neutrons, they'll move and they'll do, you know, they'll go out of their normal pattern. But then as soon as you take that pressure off, those particles go back exactly where they were before. And another way to speed put... of light. Hold on. Faster just, than the speed um, of light. Commenting on your idea of pressure. Oh, another, okay. Another way to um, conceive of that, certainly in this 
context is observation, when something is observed. Um, no, that's not what I meant by pressure. <laughs> pressure okay, well, meaning... That's what quantum physics means by pressure. <laughs> okay, yeah. No, observation does change a system. So, yeah, if you're observing... Okay, you're right. Let's call it observation. So, but there's more than just observation. But, yeah, like no, when we're facet. using the yeah. power of the mind... To actually observe ourselves and our traits and like try to change them by good deeds and by spiritual work, right. um, we can change the system. So, but here, here's what I wanted to get to, and this might blow everyone's mind, and I'm writing a blog post about it now. But um, when you <clears throat> take the pressure off the system, those um, particles go back right where they were before, faster than the speed of light. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, Einstein talked a lot about the speed of light and was freaking out. What happens if we go faster? The time-space continuum will be disturbed. And it's true. If you go faster than the speed of light, it equals time travel. So if those particles go back faster than the speed of light, they time travel back to where they were. So no one ever knows they were moved. <laughs> yeah. So this if was I do a Einstein's biggest problem. He didn't. God was not a roller of dice. He didn't think you could go, well, his theory said you couldn't go faster than the speed of light, and we, to this day, have no resolution between relativity and and quantum physics. Yeah, Yeah, they're, but here's that, that's the wonderful, great paradox of God. Mm -hmm. If if something doesn't make sense, it has to be from God. (laughs) If it's not a paradox, then it's not true. Well, okay. So Einstein was true. Einstein was right, but also quantum physics are right. Like, yeah. like there are yeah. the things that we observe, and they are, you know, the, the universe sort of is mechanistic. You know, the stars and the planets they do revolve on a certain plan in time, and you know that doesn't change. So how is that? You know, how can the stars really affect us? But at the same time, we can move the planets around. I mean, I just that meditation to change your IQ. <laughs> Go look it up. You use the Jupiter finger and the Saturn finger, and you put yourself into a deep meditative state, you go up into this cosmos, these are the instructions, and you, as you open and close those two fingers, kind of like to make a peace sign, you move Jupiter and Saturn back and forth. You move them apart mm-hmm. and you move them together. And that is, you, like, you're moving those planets. You're, there is a movement going on. <laughs> and, of course, when you're done, they go back faster than the speed of light, and no one ever knows that those planets are moved. <laughs> But I firmly believe that they do move because we are gods, you know. I mean, we are gods in training. We've been given a lot of power. And Jupiter and Saturn are really interesting conjunction. When they do conjunct, some crazy stuff can happen. Um, And Yogi Bhajan said that meditation because you're kind of like opening your fingers and making a peace sign and then bringing them together. Mm. He said, whosoever can do this meditation will not only have peace, but will create peace on earth. And this is not just a meditation for increasing your IQ. <laughs> it says a lot of other things, right. but that's kind of how it's being sold right now. But it does a lot of other things. So I just think we have a lot more control of our destiny than we think. I mean, obviously the planets influence us, but once we raise to a certain level of spiritual power, like we, um, we are game changers. You know, we are yeah. the ones who are helping God gather and do all this stuff in the last day so of course we can move of on. course we have to have some of his capacity i wanted to yeah. mention real quick to you um you brought it up real quickly but the uh, john pratt article the zodiac testifies of christ this was originally published as the constellations tell of christ in meridian magazine in 2005 but he's got it up on his on his uh, website oh, i think they're two different articles but they're similar okay this is all right there's uh but this is this is what I'm looking at right now and you can pull it up on his website. Um it's also linked in your blog. Mm-hmm. Um and just is that. It it goes through the gospel in the stars is the first section. It says the zodiac constellation figures symbolize the twelve roles of Jesus Christ and he talks about this is some of that that was originally given to Enoch. And um as and of course that shouldn't come as really any surprise as we reclaim all truth from the various um, perversions that that has wandered into in this dispensation. And we're told that all things testify of Christ and that um, I take to mean all things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so this is an interesting article talking about the Zodiac 
and how it does it's just really that. interesting I, I mean it was interesting to me because i never thought i've thought of the different names of god and christ but i never really thought of christ's different roles you know we, we think yes. of him as the savior and the redeemer and the messiah but i don't think we think of those as different roles and, the and like savior, what the each one is right and each but, one represented in the stars um anyway it's fantastic and of course he puts things on calendars because he always does that Oh, yeah, the calendar stuff is fascinating, and that actually comes into play. Do we have time to talk about the United States? Yeah, real briefly. I mean, always, okay. but yes. <laughs> okay, so Andy's um, passion is sort of like politics and history. You tell well, I'll, I'll, and, 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 and the history of this nation. Yes. And um, the covenant on our land, right, Andy? Right. Did I sum that up good? Okay. And I've always kind of been like, okay, whatever, ho-hum. You know, it's like, I care, but it's not like, I'm not that interested in um, politics or, or or American history so much. I mean, I did ace it on my AP history test, because, <laughs> and my dad was a history teacher, but, you know, whatever. I'm more interested in um, sort of like the metaphysical, like, you know, Jesus is coming, he's going to rule, how's this going to happen quick? But this last couple of weeks we've found like how our interests overlap and how and why probably why God put us together to do some of this work. But um, I was studying, you know, natal charts and realized like a nation can have a natal chart as well. And so can a business and any sort of entity that's begun and has a life. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple weeks ago in Relief Society, I heard a quote from somebody. i got to figure it out. It was a general authority. And they were talking about how the birth of our nation really, people recognize it as 1776 when the Declaration of Independence was signed. But in fact, it happened on April 6th, 1789, when when George Washington was ratified as president. And um, that's also when the first, uh, joint session of Congress was held. And Andy, can you tell us about that date and how it, it wasn't supposed to happen on that day, was it? So this no. is how God is the designer. Really. Yeah, so there's lots of um, real quick background, lots of theories on when the United States began, and it's actually extremely important in, uh, in political theory because it uh, gets to the idea of what which power is supreme, federal or state, um, the slaveholding states always held it to be uh, the establishment of the Constitution in 1787. That was the date they went back to. Uh, and Abraham Lincoln, at his time, said no. He called the new birth of freedom in Gettysburg, the Gettysburg Address. He dated. Remember the, the address? It starts four score and seven years ago. Well, if mm-hmm. you go back 87 years from 1863, when he was giving Gettysburg Address in November, there, that's 1776, and that's mm-hmm. crucial because that means the Union predated the states, where if you go from the Constitution, the Constitution predated the states. Anyway, so there's, there's a lot of discussion on, on when the United States actually started, and, and it has profound implications on what we how we interpret our Constitution. But for this discussion... For this discussion about how it didn't happen on March 4th. <laughs> the Constitution originally uh, required that the uh, Congress meet and the President be sworn in on March 4th. And that was true until uh, until it was changed. I apologize, I don't remember which amendment now, but it changed it to January 20th for the inauguration. In any case, so March 4th, 1789 was supposed to be the first date of the of the new Congress, the first convening of the United States government in history. Um, they got there, and they didn't. Neither the House nor the Senate had a quorum on March 4th. Uh, people were having trouble getting there, traveling. It was the three mile an hour world, so they didn't have a quorum. Uh, the House <laughs> achieved a quorum a couple of weeks later, but the Senate did not achieve a quorum until April 6, 1789, at which point they met, they convened, as did the House, and um, the House convened and came over to the Senate chamber and watched them count the electoral votes of the first uh, presidential election and officially declare George Washington president. And that's when you, of course, then you had the official, that was the first official joint session of Congress in history, and it was April 6th instead of March 4th, 1789. Yeah. And April 6th is obviously an LDS sort of, yeah. you know, bell ringer date. But um, I did, I ran a date conversion on that date to find out, a Hebrew calendar date conversion to find out 
um, what the astrological sign of the, of the <clears throat> nation would be under that calendar. And I found out that the date was 10 Nisan, which, if you understand, you know, which, okay, which is, <laughs> happens to be the exact same date that the Israelites crossed the River Jordan to enter the Promised Land. Mm-hmm. 3,200 years before. Now, well, it was, it's 10 Nisan for that date. We've got to remind people these dates shift. So April 6th isn't always that date, but April yeah. 6th, 1789 was. Uh, yeah. So 10, it fell, yeah. 10 Nisan in four, uh, 1422 B.C. was when the Israelites crossed the River Jordan into the Promised Land. And obviously this is really interesting because the United States has a covenant. There is a, Oh, and then Andy told me this. I'm just, I'm not a big history buff, but he said a few, I guess it was a couple weeks later that they swore George Washington in. Yep. He opened the Bible yes. and read from Genesis 49. What did he read? Didn't read anything. They just opened it up and that's where he placed his hand for the oath. But that oh, is the chapter. Read it? No. no. Well, not allowed, no. How do people know that he placed his hand right there? Because it's well documented. That was one thing about debt generation. They documented everything. You can actually see that Bible now. I think it's in New York at Federal Hall where he took the oath. Oh, okay. So he opened it and he placed his hand right at which scripture? At uh, Genesis 49. And um, this is, there's a couple of things in that chapter actually, but one of the things is it talks about Joseph and the vine that runneth runs over the wall and and the establishment of Joseph as a covenant people outside the land of Israel, referencing, of course, in Latter-day Saint doctrine, the Americas. Right. Well, what's interesting, when Andy told me that, I went and looked up Genesis 49, and Genesis 49 is where Jacob sort of blesses all of his sons yeah. And, yeah. and mentions certain of their sort of qualities and their destiny. And this is the same chapter that um, many, many scholars um, use to sort of prove that they... So each of the 12 tribes is associated with one of the Zodiac, and um, they each had a flag that sort of had that symbol of the Zodiac. And this is sort of well known, but they can't figure out which... all exactly which tribe was... Like, it's pretty well pretty well known which, what four of them are. The others are not as clear, but but this is the chapter that people use to kind of sh- uh, try to figure out which sign of, of the right. zodiac each tribe belonged to. And I was like, okay, that's really interesting so that, that all of these things are converging. So that's I'm in chapter 49, and this, and then it goes on to mention uh, the Nephites and the Lamanites. Not by name, but it mentioned that Joseph is a fruitful bough by a well and, of course, it's doing so on the birth date of the country, the date when the covenant is reestablished. And that should tell us something about where we are, too. This covenant is reestablished for the, uh, for many reasons, but for, primarily for the gospel and for the children of Lehi mm-hmm. uh, to, to begin that work that God covenanted with so many Nephite prophets that he would do for the children of Lehi. That's what this is about on this land. And, and the mm-hmm. implications, uh, politically and otherwise, now are, are staggering. Yeah. Well, and so I'm, I feel like I need, I'm working on a natal chart of the United States where even though everything was well documented at that time, we can't seem to find the exact moment that they met, whether it was nine o'clock or noon on that date. That is bizarre Andy. because they do record dates elsewhere. Um, the, the t- I know, two the weeks time, later well, when they actually inaugurated George Washington, noon, he right? took the, yeah, well, they gaveled in at noon and that's recorded. But this date, yeah. even in the annals of Congress, they don't have a time. <laughs> well, I think that the Congress, like uh, the blah, 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 the Constitution, says that they should meet at noon on March fourth. So I'm just assuming. I ran the the things for noon, and I feel like I ran all the times, but I think noon is the most probable, which would mean I, that I the United States yeah. is an Aries with Leo rising, which sort of fits the U.S. But but the idea behind it is that you know you can watch the stars then and and understand that if you know this this nation is a being an entity of itself what what's coming you know and what what is the spiritual work this nation needs to do and if it doesn't do it what the consequences are going to be right and, and we know some of that you and know, we know a lot of prophecy, it but it, it would just be interesting to, Isaiah, i mean i think we can 
we can narrow down the timing better by watching the heavens and what's going watching on the there. heavens and reading the scriptures. Isn't it amazing? And they're um, yeah. it turns out they're the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we we do have some interesting celestial stuff coming up. We got a, another blood moon coming up on a Jewish holiday. Yes. This is the and second then, of four. Um, and then two more. Yep. That will complete next September, and that's actually a big, big deal in in Jewish history, and uh, in in history of the covenant people, of the Lord overall. And so you got to think it's got some implications for us here. You know what? I just want to remind everyone that we're living in the prophecy right now. <laughs> we're at the end we're, of most of the prophecies right now. <laughs> we are in the, we are in the prophecy. This is these are prophetic times. Yes. So um, if you forgot, just wake up. You know, and like, there's exciting stuff going on. Nearly everything, Felice. Nearly everything, and there are some that disagree with me, and that's fine. That's I mean, that's nothing new, not a new experience for me. But there, are, nearly everything that Isaiah talked about, um, Ezekiel, uh, Nephi, uh, quoting Isaiah, even Malachi, uh, the they have happened already, and we're just mm-hmm. we're right at the end of of things here. Right. And uh, patterns have been repeated over and over again, and this is the this is the covenant land. There's lots of interesting things going on, and we don't have time to get into any of it. But there you go, go study. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, so if you want to know more about astrology, I um, I'm writing a series of blog posts, um, trying to weed through all of the stuff, and I actually got information that this is probably what my next book is going to be about even though i don't really want to have a next book right now (laughs) but whatever (laughs) that's where it's coming (laughs) but i wouldn't i wouldn't just go out there and go to a regular astrology or astrology website um right now jewish astrology is the closest thing um what else have we got to mention was there any anybody we needed to was there anything we needed to plug any websites no, no, no. But next week we're going to have a great guest. Yes. He was supposed to come today, but he was tired. <laughs> it is early. Should we say who it is or should we not? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so next week, um, hopefully, <laughs> we've had trouble getting all together, mainly because Andy keeps canceling. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we're going to have Chet Thomas from Operation Underground Railroad. He's going to talk to us a little bit about abolishing slavery, specifically child um, trafficking in our day. So that's exciting. Also relating to the covenant in ways that his co-founder has written about, actually. Yeah, we'll talk about that next week. All right. Excited. Thanks, Felice. You're welcome, Satnam. Satnam. What comfort this sweet sentence can He